This is Community Voice. My name is Kevin Maurer, Director of Community Engagement for the Cape Fear Collective. On this episode, we're talking to Dr. Robert Sheritz. He's an infectious disease expert who's working right now as a teaching physician at a hospital in Myrtle Beach. We talk about COVID-19, the U.S. response, and the data we all should be watching as we try to understand this crisis. We recorded this interview Tuesday, moments after the White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator recommended anyone who has left New York City recently should self-quarantine for 14 days. Uh, so t- before we get started, because we're going to talk about COVID-19 and we're going we're gonna to tap, I'm going to hopefully tap into your, uh, your wide knowledge of this. But uh, before we get started, uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about your background, because uh, I, I know that you taught, uh, you've taught for many years. I know you taught at Wake Forest, but uh, tell me a little bit about how you, you got to where you are now. So I went to undergraduate school at Wake Forest, and then I did my medical school and residency training at the University of Virginia, my infectious disease fellowship at the University of North Carolina, and then I spent six years on the faculty at the University of Florida and 24 years on the faculty at Wake Forest University. And as part of being at Wake Forest, I was the chief of infectious diseases for nine years. And I was also a hospital epidemiologist in charge of controlling infections for 30 years of my career. And now I'm in a job teaching internal medicine residents how to be physicians for the last five years. So so it's safe to say you've got a good handle on, on uh, infectious disease and what COVID-19 is. I think I have a pretty pretty good understanding, yes, sir. Yeah, okay. Let's start there then. Um, help me out. Uh, from a complete layman, uh, what COVID-19 for dummies, what exactly is it? And, and can you tell us a little bit about the disease, why it's unique and, and sort of why it, it's become, it's gone from, you know, starting in, in China to becoming a pandemic where it's everywhere now? So COVID-19 is considered to be part of a group of what are called coronaviruses. These are RNA-based viruses that cause primarily respiratory diseases, but in some cases, diseases involving the GI tracts in mammals, humans being mammals. And uh, it's probably most notable is uh, previously uh, as a cause of the common cold, but beginning in, in um, 2002, we had an outbreak of SARS, which is a, an acronym uh, that has to do with an outbreak that started in China and spread to Canada and some other places. And then in 2011, there was another coronavirus outbreak uh, called MERS for Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, where they had another outbreak in, in Saudi Arabia. Those had tremendous mortalities, the first one 11% and the second one 34%. And then the most recent one, COVID-19, uh, started in December of this 2019 and has continued since then, first in China, in Wuhan, where it originated, and then it's spread all over the world since then. What is it that makes it so unique? Uh, you know, I've read I've read a lot about it, but uh, the thing that sort of sticks out in my head, and, and maybe you can explain this better, is is the fact that there is no treatment. You know, there, this is unique. We don't have any antibodies. We have no sort of immunity to it. So there are two things two things that make it unique. One is it is transmissible, likely through the air, up to maybe as far away as six feet, in that it behaves a lot like influenza, which also has a real. A, transmission distance of about six feet 
And as you say, it is not treatable. And right now they're working on treatments. There are many underway, but we don't have anything that's proven and certainly not anything that we're ready to offer mass scale one. And two, unlike influenza, we have no vaccine, also something they're working on. But what's going to come first, do you think? Probably a treatment over a vaccine. I mean, they've said a vaccine's at least a year away, but a treatment seems to be the, the shorter term benchmark. Yes or no? There are existing drugs that if that they could potentially ramp up production on very quickly that are being looked at. So if something looked promising, probably within a matter of months, there could be a fair amount of drug available for treatment of the most severe cases. The, as you say, the vaccine is, they're suggesting it's going to take a, at least a year for all of the ones under investigation because they're just a series of systematic investments investigations that they have to do to be sure they're not toxic as well as that they prevent the infection. Uh, so I, I know you're working uh, currently at the hospital down in Myrtle Beach, correct? That is correct. Okay. What are you seeing down there? I, I know here we, we uh, the news release that came out uh, today, uh, we've got our 10th uh, case. The 10th case looks like it was community spread. Um, so what are you seeing down in your hospital now and, and what are you anticipating? Well, we're... Re- we are relatively spared so far. We definitely have some cases that we've seen at our hospital and some that have been seen in, in a few local clinics. But we expect, based on everything else that's going on in our state and, and locally, that we're about to see a rapid increase that is going to affect us just the way it has most of the rest of the country. Uh, we are all prepared, like, many hospitals. We set up a tent outside where patients can be evaluated and screened before they come in the hospital to decide, do they need to be isolated? Do they need to be tested? Or do they need to be sent in a different direction, possibly even home? So we're, we're as prepared as we can be, but we're, you know, no, I don't think any group in the country has has found themselves as prepared as they really need to be as probably best evidenced by what's going on in New York City right now. Right. And then for those for those uh, who haven't heard this, it just came out, I think, what, an hour ago before we jumped on the phone this evening about uh, the White House is suggesting that uh, or was recommending that anybody leaving New York quarantine themselves for 14 uh, days. What, what do you what do you make of that call? And, and as a doctor, you know, as as a layman, I read it. I read it one way. But as a doctor, what do you what do you see in that? And uh, and why do you think that they made that decision? Well, clearly, there are a lot of people in the New York City area that that naturally and not surprisingly are scared of what's going on. You've got a, an infectious disease for which we have at the moment no clear treatment, no vaccine, and which has a which appears to be very infectious and has a two to five percent mortality. And so, although most younger people seem to be relatively protected, people above age 60, especially with underlying diseases, can have mortalities as high as uh, 10 percent or more. So you think um, you think it's a prudent call to have people quarantine then coming out of New York? Well, I think that increasingly we're being asked to sort of quarantine ourselves all over the country. It's not just those coming out of New York. Uh, Everybody's asked to not get together in groups. If they're sick, to stay home, just as trying to minimize the spread to other non-infected groups of people. 
what what concerns you the most about about COVID nineteen? I mean, you've you've spent a decade studying infectious diseases. I mean, looking at this disease, what concerns you the most, and, and what surprises you most about it? Well, I think the thing that concerns me the most is you have a a very transmissible respiratory infectious disease that is once it gets into an area is increasing in numbers as frequently as doubling every three to five days and it doesn't take very long with that kind of an increase rate to start generating significant mortality in any population that it gets into. And, and so, and looking at the numbers, I mean, there, a lot of numbers are coming out. We, we've seen a lot about testing. Uh, I know here in Wilmington, you know, the testing's ramped up. Uh, but I've also seen indicators from, from folks in the media and on Twitter about uh, watching the, the death totals. What numbers do you, are meaningful to you, and what are you looking at trend-wise right now? Well, probably some of the, the most accurate numbers in the, in the um, arc coming from various websites that are charting what's going on. And, you know, we, we have in uh, current today, based on the Johns Hopkins website, 53,000 cases in the United States with 696 deaths. But the rate of increase of those is going almost straight vertical right now. And so there's no indication that there's going to be a decrease in the number of deaths or the rate of increase anytime in the near future, in spite of what some things that you might have heard in the last few days on uh, the on the newscast. So we're not flattening the curve then. Not even close. And so, but so what does that mean? We we've been hearing so much about you got to flatten the curve. You got to flatten the curve. If we're if we're not going to flatten the curve, I mean, is it too late to flatten the curve? Well, it's not too late. I think the, the biggest problem that people have with, with uh, outbreaks like this is until it hits them in their home neighborhood, it's hard for most people to believe and wrap their head around what's going on. And then once they hear about a case, once they hear about somebody they know that died, all of a sudden it starts getting real. And then the idea of quarantining oneself within a, a home and and not going out to public places starts having meaning. Whereas until it gets into your area, for most people, it just seems like something that's someplace else. And, and so you think like, especially like down here and, 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 and areas like you, where you are in, in Myrtle Beach, you think that's sort of the problem now is, is the reason why, you know, or is that widespread, do you think, across the country? Oh, I think it's, it's everywhere until it, it gets into your neighborhood that most people have had trouble believing it. And for a while, what people were hearing at the public level and even at some of the newscasts was that this is not going to be a problem. It's going to stay around just a short time and disappear. And I think now everybody's starting to believe that this is a real thing that's going to hit the United States as hard as in the next short while as it's hit other parts of the world where it's wrecking havoc. What, what, have you seen any research or any, any kind of data on uh, this idea that when it gets warm, just like the flu season, it ends, this will end, it, that the, the somehow climate has an impact on this? Some of that 
is hopeful, if not wishful thinking. There, there are some information that suggests it's a possibility, but until it, it definitely happens, we're not going to know for certainty. Part of the difficulty is um, we have obviously a northern and a southern hemisphere, and so where it may decline in one part of the world, say the northern hemisphere, as the weather gets warmer, meanwhile, the southern hemisphere, it's going to be getting colder and it may take off down there. And one thing, for example, that we know if you look at a, at a somewhat similar phenomenon that occurred in the 1918-1919 influenza pandemic, it declined right at the in the spring of 1918 and then came back in the fall of that same year with a vengeance and went to much higher numbers than it even shown in the spring. So even if it declines in the warm weather in the northern hemisphere, there's it is highly likely it will continue to be transmitted because so far all the evidence suggests that virtually everybody in the world is susceptible to this virus. So the 1918 influenza, the, the Spanish flu, right, is what they call That's it. It's kind correct. of a colloquial term for it. What is that? Is that the best um, comparison that we have to what we're facing that, now? That is probably the closest. I mean, there there's some definite differences between in terms of the way they compare but if you look at the epidemiology of them they're, they're similar in many ways in the sense that that uh, they, they seem to be about as transmissible they don't cause necessarily disease in the same groups but they cause roughly the same mortality and uh, they they both had almost virgin populations when they came into play in the days of 1918, 1919, they were transmitted around the world, mostly related to uh, the World War One. Whereas nowadays, we've got airplanes that make transmission even faster. Final question: uh, as, as as we're looking at this crisis now, what is the indicators we should be looking for to see if we've ever if we've turned a corner or if we see that it's slowing down? Like, what is there is there anything we should be looking at? Well, there are there are several websites out there that are updated continuously that are showing uh, how the cases are doing globally, how they're doing in each country. They're showing them even down to the, the state level of the United States. And what you're looking for uh, globally is you're looking to see the, the curve peak and start coming back down again. And right now, so far, everything's just on the upswing. So until you see it, the top of the curve flattening and and going down, you can't even begin to think that, that, that things are on the wane. And the other thing is when they talk about flattening of the curve, what that's all aimed at is it may only spread the cases out over months rather than weeks. But what it's designed to do is to try and see if you can get to the point where the medical system will not be totally overwhelmed. And that's what we're afraid of if, if we don't slow things down right now is that virtually every medical system in the world will be totally overwhelmed and, and will end up being like in a military situation where you're triaging people. You can live. You're not going to make it. So you just go over there and, and uh, die. And that's that's the big concern. Well, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, thank you so much for the time. I know you're at, you're actually at the hospital and you're working tonight. So uh, keep up the good work. Be safe. Uh, and let's check in as we go. Uh, and uh, I really appreciate your insight and your help on this.
Oh, you're quite welcome.